Welcome to episode six of the Breakaway Fantasy Football podcast. Uh, I'm here with our special guest for this week. We have Dr. Josh Valoroso, uh, a man who is both the most intellectual and intelligent member of the league, and also a man who once watched a football game with a block of cheese strapped to his head. So uh, make of that what you will. Uh, the man is clearly an enigma. Uh, Val, nice to, nice to have you on board, mate. Yeah, thank you for having me. You caught me at a good time. I'm unemployed this week, um, so I'm doing the unemployed, aging white male thing of going on a podcast, and then tomorrow I'm going to sit in Starbucks all day and write my screenplay, and then I've got an open mic night at a, a, a comedy club. So I'm really kind of leaning into the unemployed whiteness right now. Great. I, I can't wait. Can't wait to hear that content, particularly after you finished uh, bottom of the banter rankings. The the stand up is going to be scintillating, yeah. I'm sure, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we also have another special guest appearance this week, um, a man who I was convinced didn't actually exist. Um, and so it's really great to have him on board. Uh, Mr. Steve White. Say hello, Steve. Cool. Yeah. No, good to hear from you, mate. Good to hear from you. Right. So I uh, I think that we probably just jump straight into this week's headlines. Um, right, headline number one for me, uh, Val, is what a weird season this has been so far. Um, I mean, across a number of different ways of looking at this, you've got things like Mariota and Gino being top 10 quarterbacks, Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders being top 10 running backs. These are all guys that were either going undrafted in the case of those quarterbacks or, or you know, the, the running backs were going in rounds six to six to eight, depending on what ADP you look at. It's been a weird one. And I think both from a fantasy and, and certainly from a betting perspective as well. Yeah, I think it's been, it's, it's definitely been an odd start. I think from, you know, a fantasy perspective, you're seeing a, a lot of big names, quarterbacks not getting anything done. Some of the older guards, you know, Rogers, Brady, Stafford, Russ, especially, and I guess Dak, you put Dak in there, the injury, you can't really count him as not performing, but to miss those five guys in the league, you know, it makes a big difference. I think it makes a big difference, obviously, in reality as well. The weirdest thing for me is Jets and Giants both are winning records and we're six weeks in and we're not end of week one. That, to me, is the, the weirdest thing. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of crazy, isn't it, to see those uh, those teams performing the way they are, like, obviously, extremely well coached in, in both cases. Um, but, you know, we've with obvious like glaring weaknesses on their rosters like uh, so it, it, it's crazy to show to see how good the coaching has been how they've managed to to get the results like you you know you kind of think it will regress to the mean at some point but um yeah great great for those two teams mm. yeah I and, and i think the scoring's down as well i've seen you know a stat is, is something like 22 percent down this year already and it's six weeks so we're not talking a tiny sample size yeah weird weird start to the year yeah, definitely. You mentioned like Rogers, Brady, Russ, that they all basically stink this season. And uh, it certainly feels like the the changing of the guard is is happening now. You know, those those older quarterbacks um, who are in their kind of mid to late 30s or, you know, Brady's case, mid 40s, uh, they they very much feel like they're in the decline now. And it's it's the league of, uh, you know, Josh Allen and Mahomes and, and that generation. Definitely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Cool. Um, headline number two for me, we got some trades. Um, we have some trades, yeah, you and I both. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, great for us to both be on when we both made trades this week. Uh, I don't think either of made either of us made the trades because we were on the podcast, but you know, it just so happened that way. So, uh, Najee Harris for AJ Dillon. Your your thoughts on that one, mate? Well, uh, you know, Bebe not not having great seasons, but I think from my perspective, you know, Najee was drafted number ten overall in our league, and we're six weeks in. So for me. I don't think things have drastically changed that much to mean that he's he's got no value at all. I think that you know he's in a in a bad situation with a bad O line and uh, you know obviously a quarterback position that that is not ideal. Um, but I trust Tomlin. He's second year in the league. He's shown that he can do it. He's got pedigree. I think from my perspective, you know, swapping him for AJ Dillon was a bit of a coup. Um, you know, AJ Dillon might break out at some point as well. He's been in an unlucky position being stuck behind Jones for the last two years, and now he's kind of splitting time with Jones. But I just take the proven commodity every time, I guess. And Najee, to me, has, has, has shown that last year. So we'll see. You know, it might be a trade that ends up meaning nothing for either of us, but I'll, I'll take Najee over AJ any day. Yeah, it's, it's a, an interesting one, isn't it? Both guys clearly underperforming versus expectations. You know, Najee, I think I saw earlier on, I was having a look at his um, uh, at yards per attempt, and I think he is in the Trent Richards zone of being sub 3.3. I think his his yards per carry is 3.18, which is which is less than Trent Richardson's career average. Uh, so that's that's pretty brutal. Uh, AJ Dillon is also well under four yards per carry. So neither of these guys are kind of living up to expectations. Um, It's the rare buy low, buy low trade, Um, you know, (laughs) so um, maybe it works out for both of you. Maybe the guys just needed a change of scenery, right? Well, maybe. And, you know, I'm hoping, you know, a couple of pep talks. I don't think I'm as inspirational as Mike Tomlin, but, you know, you never know. Maybe (laughs) Harris will take to me a little bit better than he has there. But I think... um, you know, for me and Ed, it's it's probably just worth worth a go, isn't it? You know, yeah, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, on my side, the I obviously traded away Nick Chubb for Cortland Sutton and a 2023 first rounder, effectively kind of recouping that 2023 first rounder that I gave up to Steve for AJ Brown. Um, mm-hmm. Getting Cortland Sutton is is a funny one for me right because i'm now uh attached to the to the russ bandwagon and and obviously i do not like yeah. russ and uh i think he's toast um i'm hoping that sutton gets traded um he is a talented player um i i've i've had him in a few other leagues and i, and I like him because he's talented but um I, I, yeah i mean he's not doing great this season um chubb i was i was kind of willing to give up chubb um i never really intended to draft him he sort of fell to me and I had to pick him and I never really wanted any Browns on my roster this season for obvious morality reasons so I'm kind of glad to get off of uh, any Browns players and uh, and not have to cheer for them when um, when Deshaun Watson comes back yeah and I guess you know getting the pick in there um, is is good value for you because Chubb at 27 you know I know you've been on this for 27 being a key age for running backs as well and as a quick decline after that and I think getting Sutton who's the same age you might get a little bit more longevity out of him if the situation's right and obviously as you say right now with Russ the situation definitely isn't right for him yeah yeah definitely not uh moving on to running backs who are productive um Ramondre Stevenson uh I mean as a as a Patriots fan you must be absolutely loving this yeah baller isn't he he's just big he's quick you can't stop him fourth round pick as well last year so good value Finally hit on a, a, a draft pick. I think, you know, 
Uh, Patriots drafts over the years haven't been the best, um, certainly in offense terms. But I think he's been helped, obviously, with Damian Harris being injured, something you know well. Um, <laughs> he's probably, to be honest, been helped by Mac Jones's um, injury as well because they've really simplified the offense. But I do, I'm slightly cautious just because the last two weeks, Cleveland, Detroit, uh, number 32 defense, number 31 defense. So it's not exactly a gauntlet of a moment, but I do think that, you know, he's really showing some some life. I, I do think that Belichick likes this kind of old school running back. You know, we've seen LeGarrette Blunt getting some production. We've seen Corey Dillon back in the day and really he's being used in that Corey Dillon mode. So yeah, I'm happy, definitely happy to have him on my team and my fantasy team. Um, he's just good to watch. He's good fun. Yeah, he is. He's, yeah. And I think one of the things you really want with your running backs is the, for them to be getting the majority of the snaps. And he's he's getting about 86% of the snaps at the moment with Damian Harris. I, I don't know how that changes when he comes back, but he's made the most of his opportunity. Two touchdowns this week, five catches as well, which is which is critical. Um, and he missed out on some goal line opportunities. So he, he could have had an even bigger week. So I, I like him. He's a good player to watch. He reminds me, he's a little bit like Rumbler Light um, for me. Like I like a guy who will kind of just run through someone and and he's a bit like that. So he's, he's a good fun player to watch. Um, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver one, question mark. I've yes got... From- yeah, I mean, he actually is the wide receiver one in fantasy this this season, so it's kind of hard to argue with. Um, since he's moved to Buffalo, he's finished third and eighth in fantasy production. Um, this season, though, like, as, as good as he's been, this season feels somewhat different. He's had 65 targets, and he's got a huge 13.3 uh, yards per yards per catch. Um, which is which is a massive jump from from last year, and I wonder whether that is to some extent then being able to stretch the field a little bit with Gabe Davis and and kind of opening up the offense even more. Uh, but he's just been amazing this season, hasn't he? He's been unbelievable, yeah. And I think if you if you're thinking, you know, the last few years of a quarterback wide receiver duo, I guess you go to Mahomes Hill, and maybe the torch has been passed a little bit now. I I, I just think watching that game on Sunday, um, you know, on the final drive when you know, the Bills need a score. They're just going to dig. So you know it's happening. The D knows it's happening. It just, you can't stop it. And he was double covered on a, on a little uh, kind of dig in route. And it was just, Alan threw him open. He's, he's just unbelievable. Both of them are unbelievable. I think if he carries on the way he's started, you know, you said 65 targets so far in six games. We're talking 10, 11 targets a game. You, you've got, a, I, I would bet on him being number one receiver by the end of the year. Um, I think some someone that stands in his way is obviously Cooper Cup because he's getting ridiculous numbers as well. But um, you just fancy Diggs, only with, with the production that offense, like you said, some some of the players around him. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's in a good spot to be number one. And um, he's just unstoppable with, with Allen. It's not like it, he was terrible at Minnesota either, to be honest, was he? He was, he was putting up good numbers in Minnesota. So he's done it. Um, but yeah, this is another level now for him, potentially. Yeah, it feels like there's not going to be many down spots for him. That offense is so potent, you know, and whereas, you know, you look at Cup, like if somebody decides they're going to like double cover or triple cover Cup, because frankly, the Rams have got nothing else and, and Matt Stafford's toast, then he could have a couple of down weeks. But you just you just don't see it for Diggs. You don't see where, where the bad performance is really going to come from. There aren't any quarterbacks who are seemingly able to, you know, competently cover him. And Josh Allen is a freak. So, yeah great to watch i mean maybe not for you as a patriots fan but um you know as a as a neutral like watching josh allen and yeah. Diggs is it's just so much fun 
no, I think you've got to appreciate it, even as a Pats fan, you've got to, you know, you, you see what you're watching is, is another level compared to everything else in the league, really. So, yeah, I've got kind of grudging respect for, for those guys, for sure. Yeah. Um, I've got two running backs to, to finish us off with, and certainly at polar ends of the spectrum. Uh, so I've got Brees Hall. Uh, as much as this upsets me, because he really is Rawlings' boy, uh, he absolutely loves this guy. He's currently the number five running back. Um, despite having a few games under a 50% snap count, that snap count has now risen. He's over 70%. But I think the key point is like, you know, Michael Carter's still getting snaps. He's just not getting touches. So, um, you know, Brees Hall's getting 20 plus touches a game now. He's got 5.1 yards per attempt. And he just looks like the guy that everybody thought he was going to be when he went 101 in most rookie drafts. Mm. He's definitely the guy, isn't he? I think um, the good, the, you know, the positive thing, I guess, for him, as well as just his production at the moment, is the Jets are going to stay in games. You look at their game so far, you know, they've, as we said earlier, they've got a winning record, they're being coached well, they've got some absolute ballers on defence, uh, Quinn and Williams and Source Gardner, they're going to be in games, so he's going to get touches, he's going to be useful, he's not like the Jets of old, where they'd be down 27 with 10 minutes to go, you know, they're going to be in games, so I think he's he's definitely, um, yeah, well done, Chris. Fair play. I mean, that game from the Jets on Sunday was absolutely mental. Was that Wilson threw for 110 yards and they won 27-10 or, or whatever it was. Like, yeah. 110 yards. Like, there's no way a quarterback should win with throwing that few that few yards. But their yeah, their defense has been brilliant and they've really known how to control the ball. Um, Mike Lafleur called an incredible game. You know, another former. 49ers offensive coordinator gone elsewhere and looked looked really good. Um, so, yeah, Better fair play to the Jets. Brothers, is is he? Would you say? <laughs> well, I don't know because Matt's got a pretty stellar record for the Packers <laughs> up until this season, hasn't he? It was a, like three seasons of thirteen and three or thirteen and four, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, that's a that's a talented uh, sibling duo. Mm. So I've got a, a, a brief all stat for you. I wonder if you can. Yeah, so top 24 running back PPR every week so far this season. There's been three nice. of them. Okay. Ooh, Saquon? Saquon is one, yeah. Uh, Nick Chubb? Uh, PPR, Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey, oh, well, that He's makes sense. He's not bad company, is he? No, that, that's great. That's great company to be in. Two, two guys who, you know, absolute generational running backs both beset by injuries, so hopefully that doesn't happen to Brees Hall and he, he stays stays healthy for most of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking of running backs who are not healthy um, and who are very much at the other end of the spectrum to Brees Hall, uh, yeah. Cam Akers. Uh, he's done in LA, but is he just done generally? I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not normally so definitive. I, I think he actually might be done. Genuinely, I think he's going to be, he's obviously on the outs. He's they're looking for a trade partner, but even that is in doubt. I sure saw McVeigh today said, you know, you never know. There's a space for him potentially. So that to me screams of no interest around the league. And I don't, even if there is interest, I don't, I don't really know what they're going to get back for him. You've got rumours of CMC being available for trade. You've got rumours of, of Melvin Gordon now after his kind of meltdown last night. And I just, I really do wonder about the value that they're going to get back for him. And yeah, the Rams have got issues. They've got O-line issues. They're, they're completely decimated on the O-line um, and got even worse on Sunday, didn't they? I think their left tackle was out for the yeah. year now. But even so, he, you know, what have we seen from Cam Akers? 
to make you think it's going to be any different somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, after that Achilles injury, he averaged like he's averaging less than three yards per carry. So he's he's well under the the Trent Richards zone, um, and D- Daryl Henderson is 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 not loads better, but he's he's above that level. So I, and Daryl Richardson's not a particularly talented running back. He's he's sort of you know he's just a guy, right? Um, so he's clearly outperforming him. That Achilles injury seems to have completely rattled him from a confidence perspective and physically just doesn't look like the same guy. Well, it's, it's yeah, I think, I, I don't know this, but I, I think it's hard to come back as a running back from Achilles injuries. I think that's why James Robinson's kind of start to the season has been so widely lauded and probably rightly so. But yeah, at, at such a young age for Cam Akers to be basically done. And if he's not done, I think the next stop is probably his last stop. Um, you know, this might be someone, I don't want to speak too soon, who might be out of the league and we look back and, and say in 10 years, oh God, do you remember when you drafted Cam Akers in the fourth round? Um, <laughs> he, yeah, it's just not good. I mean, the, the silver linings for him, I guess, is that you could say the Rams offense is just holding him back. They've got no skill position guys at all. They've got no one on the O-line, you know, apart from Cooper Cup, obviously. They've got no one really of any note and stuff of being injured hasn't helped, but I don't know. I don't see it working out anywhere else. What do, what do you think? What do you no, say? I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Can't say I'm devastated by the Rams not being good this season, though, mate. No, that's fair enough. I think the weird thing, I guess, with the Rams is even though they've been so bad, they've still got a chance in that division. Look at yeah. your, your guys. They're so injured. Arizona, you know, kind of <laughs> who knows what's going on there and with Cliff. And then you've got Seattle, you know, historically bad defense. So I, I don't know that the Rams are out of it, to be honest, which is bizarre given that they've been so bad it, it's going to be a case of like who can get them get their act together for the divisional matchups and who who gets healthy the quickest the Niners had 11 starters out injured on Sunday you know so it's no surprise that that, that the Niners ended up losing um I tend to think the better days are ahead um but for the Niners you know the Seahawks is a is an interesting story I think the Cardinals are toast they look awful yeah yeah, it's not good, is it? And, you know, they put up three points against uh, Seattle on the weekend on offense. They, obviously, they scored more, but one of that was a special teams touchdown. Yeah. And that's the team you gave up, you know, in the 40s to Detroit, in the 40s to, to New Orleans, and they scored three. I, I, yeah, I think they're done. And, and you know, having extended Kyler in the summer, having extended Cliff in the summer, one of them has got to go. You, you've got to think, if there's any competent ownership in that building, you know, we've got to be looking at one of those guys and yeah, shipping them out. I think. I think the GM Steve Kime is the first man to 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 go because um, he's done a terrible job in the in the last few seasons. So well, yeah, they extended him summer as well. So somebody somebody is going to get paid. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other headlines that you want to call out, mate? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we covered some of the main main topics, um, you know, especially the, the weird season that it's been. I think it's just been an odd start to the year, hasn't it? But we're starting to see now six weeks in maybe who the teams are, who are the good teams, who are the, the unreliable teams, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's move on to a review of this week's matchups then. So uh, <laughs> the first matchup, the one I really don't want to talk about is uh, is is me versus versus Steve. Um, well, you don't have to. I think we should just hand it over to Steve, shouldn't we? Well, we probably should. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point actually. Steve, do you want to um, do you want to lead us off on this one? And give us your your detailed commentary on on this. 
All right, yeah. So let's just move on to Ed versus uh, versus you, mate. All right, no, okay. Well, I'll give my thoughts as well. All right, fair enough. Um, so Steve gets his first win of the season, and he actually gets two wins because he got the Murchison bonus, which shows that he actually put up a decent decent score this week with with one seventy three against my my pretty lowly one sixty one. Um, his players played up to their expected mark. So looking at uh, his projection versus his actual score, he was the he had the closest margin. So pretty much every every week everybody underperforms their projection is what i've noticed so far and steve was the closest this week to his projection so his guys performed you know close to where they were expected to be he had good good running back performances you know double digit uh, scores from mixon etn and ken walker I, I think mixon continues to look incredibly unimpressive um but he got the the touchdown this week uh, but Kent Walker is is a find for Seattle and for Steve's roster. He looked really excellent. The guy's got burst. He looks like um, a really fantastic runner, good vision, um, all the kind of stuff that you would expect from a Seattle running back. So they clearly drafted well. Uh, and Steve also got the the big Mike Gesicki week that, you know, he will get twice this season. Uh, he got the two touchdowns highest reception and snap percentages of uh, of the season. So you could say it's looking up for him, but it's Mike Gasicki, so it won't be. It'll be back to getting three points next week. Yeah, no more gritties from Mike Gasicki. No, please, definitely please, please, not. Please. Definitely not. And then from my perspective, um, you know, Burrow continues to score well, despite looking pretty fucking average, frankly. Um, he was better this week, but one of the things that I kind of noted is that they got the ball out of his hands a lot quicker, so he was facing downfield rather than kind of, uh, you know, getting hammered in the backfield, which which has been a, a lot of what's marked his play for this season. So I think the O-line did a slightly better job and they they schemed up getting the ball out of his hands quicker. Um, for me, you know, injuries really played havoc this week as well. I had... No Alave, no no Patty F, no um, Darren Waller, no Swift, no Bosa. They're all all injured. So, you know that contributed. But I got to hold my hands up. You know, Steve Steve done me this week, and and I can't really uh, I can't really complain about it. So, um, you know, Garrett Garrett Wilson getting 0.8 wasn't great wasn't great either. So, um, and I noticed that since uh, Zach Wilson the milf hunter came back, um, it's the Corey Davis show. Garrett Wilson's not really getting a look in, which is yeah, in. The old favourite. <laughs> Any comments from you on this uh, this terrible matchup? Uh, I, I loved it. I think it was a great matchup. I was, you know, um, I was pleased to see the result, just because I didn't want to have the, you know, the the dubious honour of being the first to lose to Steve, which I assumed was a, a foregone conclusion given my uh, fantasy track record. But yeah, fair play, Steve. Well done. It was a decent decent performance, I thought actually. And you know, he's got some. I know he's building for the future. But he has got some players for right now as well. And I think, you know, this probably won't be his last last win this year. Yeah, I think this was probably the most popular result of the season, frankly. Oh, uh, yeah. me, me losing to Steve was just basically what everyone wanted to see. And now I've got to go to a wedding on Saturday where every member of the league is going to be there. And oh. he's going to, frankly, give me the business. Um, and, and I deserve it. Yeah, absolutely deserved. Um, <laughs> it's pathetic, I would say. And actually, I'd be reconsidering my position as commissioner if I were you. Look, this is a dictatorship. I've said this many times. Uh, there is no reconsidering. Um, uh, I'm very much like Xi Jinping. Um, I will be elected in for another 10 years as of tonight. Hmm. Well, all glory to you then in that case. <laughs> right, matchup number two then uh, last week. Ed versus your good self. I'll let you take it from here. 
So it's a good good win for me, highest score in the league, and I got the bonus point obviously, which is important. So it brings me up to six and six, and Ed drops down to six and six. Um, for me, you know, nothing spectacular really. It's a pretty solid week. Somehow, Jimmy G ends up my top scorer of twenty five points, despite you know losing in in you know a poor fashion against the Falcons, um, the Frisky Falcons. My running backs, you know, just all solid across the board. Barkley, CMC, Stevenson, Eckler, all close to around twenty. And unbelievably, you know, there's been lots of talk about this. Lots of talk about this. Tight end position, two touchdowns. There you go. It's probably the most productive we'll have in the whole season. And, you know, we put up, I think, yards-wise, something like 44 combined yards. <laughs> Whatever. When we've got touchdown, you know, absolute touchdown machines, Irv Smith Jr. and Dawson Knox, you know, we don't need to, to worry about that. Um, Ed, for him similar to, to me, kind of mostly solid performances, but he left some points on the bench. I think that was the main difference. Mariota, 31, left out on the bench, and his quarterback position really isn't much to, to uh, write home about, so left some points there. And Singletary as well at 15. Wouldn't have been enough of a win anyway, but would have got him a bonus if he'd made loads of choices. So a bit of a missed opportunity for Ed, but not the end of the world. He drops to six and six. Yeah, so Ed, Ed was the second biggest... Um variance from actual performance versus uh projected performance um i think it was 67 points he under underperformed by um and i agree with you like ed doesn't listen to the podcast because if ed listened to the podcast he would have heard me and franco saying last week surely he's going to start mariota over matt stafford matt stafford looks like he's done uh, so Ed doesn't listen, uh, and I will never believe uh, anything else because uh, who the hell is starting Matt Stafford at this point? Um, I, I I I agree with you, with your assessment on your running backs. I think I said at the start of the season you had an elite running back core, and like you said, you had nearly twenty points from Barkley, Ramondre, CMC, and Eckler uh, across the board. That's great, right? If you've got that baseline of eighty points every week, and then you get a couple of touchdowns from your tight ends, it's it's such a solid base to build from. So I, I thought, you know, really good performance from your guys this week, really promising uh, in, in what was otherwise a slightly suppressed points week. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, moving on to the Franco versus Ballings matchup. So Franco takes this one, 175 to 160. Um, is Franco now the most consistent team in the league? So, um, stability is not normally something that I would associate with Jack Francis, um, physical, mental, emotional. Um, but fantasy wise, he is currently averaging 178 points per game. And so far this season, he's had four scores that have been within five points of that 178 mark. So he is consistent. If you want to beat Franco, you have to put up 180 because if you don't, he's probably going to, he's almost certainly going to beat you, frankly. Um, yeah. And, you know, steady Anthony. I think, you know, maybe we should uh, we need to look at a new nickname for him. I don't think he'll like that one. I think it's a good, uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's, he's, within that range every time, it's just unbelievable, isn't it, really? Sort of reliably boring, isn't he? It's pathetic. That's how, yeah. how we, what we call Franco. He needs a bit of excitement in his life, I think. Yeah, you know, absolutely. One thing he's it, missing over the years. It'll be quiet at the wedding this weekend, no doubt. Just kind of chilled out, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 Probably, yeah. you know, within the range of four to six beers, but not much variance from that. I think that's pretty, you know, steady Eddie. He wants to keep it simple. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I'm pleased to see it. I like to see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, look, look at it, like, kind of breaking it down. So, 
he got Jamar back this week, right? Jamar has been missing in yeah. action largely. Um, his usage was loads better this week, I thought. He, he got roughly the same amount of targets, but just the way they used him was different. Um, it did help him that, you know, that that big touchdown he got, the 60-yard one, there was some busted coverage there by by Honey Badger, who took a pretty bad angle. But, you know, you've still got to be elusive. You've still got to make the play. And, and, and he did that, and he, he looked really good. Uh, and you combine, you know, Jamar with the, the already or aforementioned um, Diggs wide receiver one. Uh, again, you, you're sort of building on a really solid base, like a little bit like with your running backs. Like Franco's got that at, at wide receiver position. Those guys yeah. are, you know, going to stick up 50s. He's that's you know, a good chunk of his 175 or whatever it is that is uh, his middling performances. Um, on the balling side of the fence, uh, I mentioned that Ed had underperformed by 67 points. Uh, the Ballings team underperformed uh, by 74 points. So that was the league's highest mark this week. So their guys really didn't uh, didn't perform as they were expecting. They had bad performances by Aaron Jones, by Mike Evans, by Mike Will, and, and that really cost them here. Um, I, I'm worried about Aaron Jones if I'm an Aaron Jones owner. Like the Packers look, pretty average if not absolutely terrible um maybe he'll have better days ahead but you know he's splitting time with with AJ Dillon who we, who we talked about um and he just doesn't look that explosive and, and Rogers doesn't look like he, he can sling it in the way that he used to so um you know on the positive side uh Leonard Fournette his usage rate is mental uh frankly and whilst his yards per carry is down uh below four He's on target for 90 catches this season. So um, you're going to get a, a ton of production out of Lenny. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Brady's going to continue to get the ball out of his hands really quickly. So I think I think Lenny's a, a great pick for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think that O-line, you know, issues probably help Lenny in a way, don't they? Because he's just reliable check down. Brady, he's always getting rid of the ball quick. But I think this year, more than, more than ever before, you know, he just doesn't look like he's got any real trust, especially in the interior line. So yeah, Lenny... Who knows? It might even increase from 90. That might be a conservative estimate at this stage. But. Yeah. Uh, so final matchup of last week, uh, Jake versus Kyle. Over to you, mate. So Jake picks up a win again. Um, gets a bonus as well. Yeah, you can hear the, the, the glee in our voices talking about this <laughs> victory. Um, you know, 176 to 168. So Kyle, a little bit unlucky, a little bit unlucky to lose the matchup, but also unlucky to lose the bonus. I think five more points than he would have got it. Um, and, you know, drops to five and seven. So that much needed, you know, bonus uh, win there if he had picked that up. For Jake, moves to nine and three. He had a really solid kind of performance all round. Dropped a couple of stinkers with Kareem Hunt and uh, Jeff Wilson. Other than that, you know, some pretty solid numbers there. Nothing spectacular, almost similar to my performance this week. Um, when you look at Kyle across the board, he is an absolute wide receiver hell this week. Um, Christian Kirk, Devin Duvernay, Cortland Sutton combined, 11.6 points. You're thinking he needs five more to get the bonus, probably six or seven more to get the win. He's close. He's, he's really close to having uh, had a very different week we'd be talking about that differently and he's made some pretty drastic changes with the trade we talked about earlier he's got rid of Sutton he's obviously lost Marquise Brown to, to injury looks like he's out for the year so who knows what we're going to see from Kyle this week in terms of wide receiver but he has got Thomas and Lockett on his bench so might not be the end of the world but unlucky for Kyle this week for sure um, and Jake's momentum just rumbles on nine and three yeah rumbling with the rumbler who, who was obviously on a bye this week but um 
you know, he comes back and now he's got him for the rest of the season. Um, that Lamar to Mark Andrews combo that we talked about before, we've talked about solid, solid bases in, in the two previous matchups. Like that's Jake's one, you know, Lamar to Mark Andrews is 50 points, you know, normally. So really, really good. I saw um, breaking news before the, the pod started that Hollywood's actually only probably going to be out for four weeks now. Got a second opinion. Um, so that's really good for Kyle okay. because... Uh, he's going to he's going to need some wide receiver talent because he, he is looking a bit thin there. Mm. His his running backs are good though, you know Chubb, Kamara, Henderson, um, Montgomery. You know it's pretty pretty solid. But yeah, I agree with you. So close matchup this one. Uh, Jake getting the win is is good news for um for nobody other than Jake <laughs> and Jess. Of course, yeah. Whether he lets <laughs> us still pick the team after after his loss the other week, I don't know. Cool. Right. So uh, moving on to the next section, which is looking ahead to next week. I am massively excited for this week. The fact that we are all going to be at the wedding uh, together on Saturday, every member of the league, including our Canadian colleague, uh, Canadian Irish West Country, uh, wherever he's from, uh, Kyle, um, is is it's just going to be so much fun. There's going to be all sorts of shit talk flowing, um, mostly in my direction, I suspect. But uh, I, I just just massively so. looking forward to Saturday and and yeah. then of course like after Saturday we'll all be like texting on Sunday and and it's, it's there's going to be some some good banter I'm looking forward to it some good matchups as well um leading off with uh you versus me um I, yeah. I think I'd probably better let you you take this one away and uh, and I'll chip in and comment as we go mate yeah well it's a good it is a good matchup both six and six so you know it's an important matchup as well I think we're on different kind of streaks here got three in a row you've got five losses in a row so um yeah we're on, on different kind of trajectories maybe i think from my perspective i've got jefferson on a bye you've got the the eagles um ajb and devonta smith both on bye weeks um you're looking at the the matchup just on the the app and i know the projections and the, the matchups aren't always reliable but there's an awful lot of green on my side um you've got to be worried about that um unfortunately for me my you know the tight ends uh, the hot streak of one week is over, both of which on a bye week. So I've replaced with some questionable tight ends. Um, don't even know one of them's name, but scored a touchdown for the Broncos yesterday. Old Dolchich with lovely long hair. Um, you've got two, t- you know, banged up tight ends with, as you said earlier, uh, Frymuth and, and Waller. Um, both are going to play, but with their injury record, I could just smell smell something. Yeah, I agree. Like this, there's, I think this some, matchup's fatter in the air. There's some sugar. I can just smell. What? what what's that smell? Oh, it, it's a donut. There's a donut <laughs> coming up for you in the tight end position. I mean, you may have some donuts. You got Foster Moreau and Greg Dolchich. Well, yeah, Foster Moreau <laughs> looks like he's had too many donuts. To be fair, so yeah, there might be a few more. I mean, you know, if 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 Waller's back, then Foster Moreau is like uh, is strictly in a blocking role. So I agree with you. I think this matchup comes down to the tight ends. If I can get half decent performance out of Patty F and uh, and Darren Waller, then I, it, that may swing the day. But you, you've got to be the favourite on this one. Like you said, the projections massively show it in your favour. So now I'm hoping for a four touchdown performance from uh, Darren Waller and Patty F rather than a you know two concussion performance. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, Ed versus Steve this week. Um, probably the worst banter matchup uh, at, at the wedding, um, considering Steve's not a real person. Um, uh, 185 to 205. Is Steve going back to back? 
this is the big question. Will Steve effectively be 4-0 uh, through the last two weeks? Ed has no defensive player available, um, so I can expect to pick up, uh, but he doesn't listen to the podcast, so he probably won't pick up. Will he he'll just pick up no one? Um, for Steve, he had a good performance last week from Justin Fields, got 25 points, uh, but he's playing the Pats this week, and that is going to be a bloody horrible combination. So yeah. it could be in for a 2.5-point week after a 25-point week. Um, he will need really good running back performance again uh, to score well, but I, I see this being a, a pretty low-scoring match overall. So cue the 220-250 you know, yeah, final result yeah. on this one. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a big, big week bring himself back into contention a little bit can't he with a win here so we'll see yeah absolutely um jake versus ballings the next matchup this is the close one this is supposed to be the juggernaut matchup of the week uh 218 versus 217 on the last projections i saw might might have changed slightly since then um but it was looking super close earlier on um for for the ballings guys like Brady, Lenny, Mike Evans versus the Panthers, that's a get right week if if ever I've seen one. They should absolutely yeah, sure. feast here. And and how's Jake gonna feel about that? Is is Bucks guys absolutely going off against him? I mean, you know, what a what a terrible shame that'll be if if that's what happens. Um, you know, Josh Allen being missing is is gonna be tough for the ballings because that guy's been putting up, you know, nearly 40 a week. Can Tannehill scrape at twenty uh, this week? Really, I, I think I think this matchup really comes down to um, will Tannehill get enough points, or will this really be uh, another big rumbler matchup? You know, because you know you've seen a few games where Tannehill throws for like hundred and fifty yards, you know, seven or eight fantasy points, and the rumblers going off for thirty. So if if that's what happens, then Jake probably swings this one. Um, and and, uh, and and it probably comes down to that terrible Tennessee Titans team. Mm. Yeah, what a miserable position to be in to have to care about a Titans game. <laughs> no, we love the Titans games, of course. I mean, we game. do, we do. It's a yeah, profitable matchup. It really is. Yeah. God, I can't wait for those Titans Texans games. Oh God, yeah, I can just smell the money. Bet the house. Mm. Oh, anyway, away from that daydream. Uh, last matchup of the week, and this is probably going to be the anti-Ed and Steve. This is going to be the banter matchup. This is going to be two guys going at each other uh, at the wedding. And currently, uh, it looks like an absolute shithouse of a matchup. Uh, Franco versus Kyle. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a bouncy castle of a wedding, but if there is, we're in trouble. Um <laughs> Franco, you know, he's massively hurt by the bye weeks here. He's missing Hurts, Cook, Diggs, and future MVP Kirk Cousins um, is missing this week. So it's just huge, isn't it? To miss quarterbacks of that calibre for, for Franco, really difficult. On the plus side, I guess, for him, it's good to get it out of the way. And he's eight and four, so he's got a bit of a buffer here. He doesn't really have to win this game if he if he gets anything from it, a bonus or a win or both. Obviously, that'll be best. You know, the projections, 191 for Franco to 203 for Kyle. It's a bigger game for Kyle, I'd say. And, you know, as I said earlier, he's got Adams and Lockett back in the side. Um, he's addressed his kind of wide receiver woes there a little bit. And I just think it's going to be a tight game. I think if Lawrence and Carr for Jack, his quarterback replacements, if they do well, you can see him squeaking out a win here. But who knows? We're probably looking at 176, something like that again um, for old Steady Eddie. <laughs> so we'll see if that's good enough or not. 
Kyle hates Tyler Lockett. He is completely phased about him. He's he's only ever put him in his lineup on the on the bad weeks and on the good weeks where he's gone off for like twenty plus points. He's he's had him riding the bench. So let's see how many times Kyle puts Tyler Lockett in and out of his lineup this week. Does he yeah. Continually swap him in and out for Corey Davis because you know no matter what you do, Kyle, it's going to be the wrong answer, mate. Because you are completely phased. I say don't overthink it for sure. Um, but but that is rich coming from you. <laughs> I just want to bring attention to Carl's quarterback situation because it's it's underrated. Ropey, he's got you know obviously Mahomes, good spot. That's fine. You've got one, but then starting you've got Matt Ryan um, on the bench. Jared Goff has been good this 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 season. That's that's great. Don't see it lasting. And he's got you know Tua, who who knows if we'll ever see him again. I know he's he's eligible to play again this week. How long he's going to last before he's been carted off? We don't know. It's just. Um, He's really in a tricky spot. How does he pick between those three? And I think somehow he's he's settled on Matt Ryan. It wouldn't be my choice, that's for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I I drafted Matt Ryan and then cut him after like an eight-point performance. And then he goes and puts up 33 last week with 58 passing attempts against the Jags. So, um, you know, clearly a, a great move by me to to cut Matty Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Little fucker. Mm. Uh, right, so it's going to be a great week of matchups, um, you know. Uh, just be so much fun which I've said multiple times now but I am just massively looking forward it's to good, it yeah. um, I don't I don't think the girls are going to know what's hit them they're going to be at this wedding there's going to be eight idiots just talking fantasy football the whole time yeah they're going to be just what have we done just absolute <laughs> lacrimose what is this what is our life here yeah. regretting their life decisions yeah oh well <laughs> Tough. Well, at least at least Sarah can console herself that she's got a you know a really steady man and a guy you know puts up mm. solid performances every week. Safe fair hands for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right, that's the end of the uh, the projection ahead. Then, um, so moving on to the interview portion of the 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 podcast. Um, Val, first question. Tell us a little bit about your betting philosophy for the NFL. How do you kind of prepare for games? What do you think about? Um, I think, you know, throughout the week, it's a bit of a move, moving uh, moving parts uh, type process. I think early on in the week, I've got a podcast I listen to that's kind of gambling focused a little bit, just seeing what the lines are early. I think in the last few years, what I've been trying to do, trying and failing uh, to, to some extent, is kind of build up slowly. So I've definitely started to take it a lot more easily the first few weeks. As we've seen this season, especially, it just gets, it, there's too many upsets. There's too much going on. We don't know who the good teams are, who the bad teams are. And that's it's worked okay to an extent. I think last few years, I've been up every year because of the playoffs mainly and the Super Bowl. And that's because by then, obviously, you've got more data. You just know what's going on a little bit more. Uh, for me, I think I'm, I'm veering towards futures markets a little bit now as well. So I like the division winner bets, start of the season, and MVP bets as well. And this season, um, I've, I've you know I've, I've seen on Twitter, I've noticed some stuff around the unders. Obviously, scoring's down, it's way down, and um, I think no one wants to bet the unders, but it's just reliably profitable. Um, it just really is profitable. So I think betting the unders is definitely something I want to get more into. And if I had, you know millions and millions of pounds where I had to bet I must bet this money on the NFL I'd just be doing all the unders pre-season every single player I'd pick their under and I'm sure that would win you a lot of money um so yeah overall I think just it's just looking out through a week looking at line changes trying to get some value where you can but definitely overall in the course of the season starting small and just building up and actually you know it's not worked perfectly but 
it's it's uh it's it's a damn sight better than just mindlessly putting on you know five folds every week and losing every single time so yeah I'm, I'm gonna stick with that for a little while and see what happens yeah we've talked about that philosophy as part of our rumblers group so every season it's like fuck it the the first four or five weeks are so unpredictable now we still get our bets on um and, and we do struggle early season most often um but yeah i agree with you like once you get into week seven or eight you know you kind of know where, where you're going to place your money you've already mm-hmm. identified the teams that you absolutely do not want to have any money riding on them whether it be yeah. to win or lose just like the rogue teams who do crazy shit every week so yeah yeah it's good um right we have obviously talked about the Valen curse, mm. which is a very real thing. Um, I, I, can you just More kind of sure? Well, it I mean, obviously, is. obviously. Yeah. Um, can you kind of talk to us about you know the Valen curse and and what the key Valen curse moments are? Yeah, sure. I I think that I'm not going to pretend it's not real. It clearly exists. It's just a price I have to pay for something. I don't know past life sins um <laughs> having such a big dick I, d- I don't know there's something i've got to pay for it's karma isn't it and um i i, I don't know every year the valenka it, it tends to be oh his team's good yeah he drafted a good team there yeah he drafted a good team there maybe it's you know being damned by faint praise i'm not quite sure but everyone seems to be quite happy about my teams every year and then you know something hilariously bad will happen you know we had the jk dobbins you know, maybe a day after drafting him, tearing his ACL last year. That was that was good fun. Um, I know everyone gets these things, but for me, I think one of the key moments that stands out was, um, uh, I think it was 2019. It was certainly early in the season, playing against Baker, and I went into the Monday night game like a point behind or something. Had David and Joko, and this was still when he was, uh, you know, quite an exciting prospect. It wasn't the, me and Joku that we knew we know now. Um, randomly woke up around. 1 1 a.m. I thought, oh, I'll just stick the game on. I'll just watch him get one catch. That's all I need. Um, pretty much the first play of the game, targeted down the right sideline. He's going to catch it. He's got it in his hands. Ball gets knocked out, gets slammed to the ground, and he uh, breaks his wrist and gets a concussion on the same play. And I don't know how many times that happens. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it was just seeing it live, just really solidified the, the idea that, yeah, there might be something to this curse idea. I might actually be cursed. And it was kind of hilarious as well as ridiculous. And I think the, the kicker for that was in that season, I was a, a game away from going to the playoffs. And if I was in the playoffs, I had the uh, winning scores for the semis and the final. So thanks, uh, <laughs> random Jets defender. And thanks, um, old floppy wrists, David. So there you go. Break that is risk. it. That's, that is that's... a classic Valen curse moment. That really is. And, like, it, and for it to be see. a player like David and Joku as well, it's like the... <sighs> the epitome of uh, of what the Valen curse is really all about. Yeah, and, and he's teasing me as well because he's getting good. He's becoming, you know, a, 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 you know, a valued member of the Browns team. And I think Bill Belichick called him the, the second best Browns tight end ever before the game this week as well, <laughs> which is, um, it speaks to the Browns franchise probably more than uh, the player himself. It's funny how... You know, you clearly remember that moment of that season and, and exactly how your team will have performed. Sure. It's, it's yeah. funny, that, isn't it? Like, I remember so many things about so many seasons that could have gone one way or another and certain things happen. And nobody else remembers it, but you distinctly remember they're like burned into your memory, these kind of fantasy football moments. So I guess it's like why we love yeah. the game so much because it, it can be 
really impactful to our moods week in week out but um yeah nobody else remembers these things other than us uh, and these things happen they do happen to everyone you know they the, the funny injuries the the donuts when you need just 0.6 they happen to everyone but i don't know i think there's something about about my team i'm just just burdened with it forever but there you go you live you learn i mean justin tucker go over 26 against baker what a, what a day oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, what are your what, what's your what's your fantasy hopes for your team for this season, mate? Um, I think my hopes are probably to make a couple more trades by the end of the year. I'm going to set my, try and set myself up for the next few seasons if I can. I've got a kind of a win now team essentially, especially a quarterback. And I think depending on how the rest of the season goes, I think I might need to look at some some trades to shore up some positions, tight end the quarterback especially. I think with the you know if I if I win the next couple of games I might be be aiming a little bit higher for this year particularly certainly yeah. playoffs of an eight team eight team league four teams in the playoffs I, I like to think I'd get there with the, the roster you know I I drafted to win now um, probably related to the curse a bit of desperation maybe but yeah I think um, playoffs who knows once you're there it's only two games you, you just don't know do you but um, yeah set myself up for next year if not. We'll see. And, you know, kind of linked to that, um, what are your thoughts on the Patriots season so far? Uh, good. It's been a decent start. I think it's been pretty much as expected. I think, we, you know, three and three were favourites of two of the games that probably outperformed the bookies a little bit. Um, at the start of the season, I was, I was kind of thinking, look at, look at the situation. We've got Bill Belichick, the offensive coordinator situation was just an absolute joke with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, neither of whom have ever called a play in the NFL before. And I was just thinking, why is he coming back? What is this about? You know, we're, we're not going to do anything in the AFC with an absolute juggernauts around us. What is this? But I think that became clear this week, actually, because he um, tied, I'm sure you saw this stat, he, he tied uh, second most wins combined in yeah. history. And I think if there's one thing he cares about is his legacy. So you've got to think, you know, it's 23 away from a record. It's probably not going to be, it's obviously not going to be this season. Won't be next season either. Um, but if he stays for two more seasons after this one, he's probably going to get that record. And I think for him, that will mean as much as any of the Super Bowl rings, to be honest, to have that go down. You know, he's, he's a massive football history buff. Um, and yeah, this season, we've probably beaten... <laughs> Wait, so the your cat interrupting the podcast this week, not mine, mate. Um, no mice, thankfully. But yeah, no. This season, I think it's been it's been good. You know, the next four, you know, New York Jets twice, Indy, Chicago. So I, in an ideal world, seven and three, and then probably looking at the ten and seven range, something like that. I don't think playoffs is is out of the question. But the biggest thing I think is is you know the Patriots have finally hit on a the draft. They hit on a the draft last year with Ramondre and Mac Barmore, defensive tackle. This year, you know, two cornerbacks, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, is absolute ballers, Jack Jones especially. He scored that pick six against the Packers. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been a Pike good start. Thornton as well. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's one game, but the guy looks like, you know, a decent wide receiver and you've not had one of those in the draft no. for as long as I can remember. He, re- he, he looked really good at camp, in, in camp by all accounts. And, and the thing with him is he's, he's really small. Um, so has he got the durability um, and he's already shown you know he's going to be injured but I think when he's out there when he's playing he's a weapon that we just haven't had for ages really um, 
So I think, yeah, we're in a good spot, actually. Good young team, decent kind of solid performance. Nothing spectacular, but, you know, I think for Bill Belichick, it's just about getting those wins and going down in history as number one. That's it. Nice. All right. Well, linked to that point um, and final question for the day, can you power rank for me the Patriots Super Bowl victories from, you know, mm. the least exciting, which is a bit of a mental way to think about Super Bowls to your most sure. exciting? Okay. Um, well, I think number six pretty obvious. It's the, the Rams, the, the second Rams Super Bowl, 13-3. I think that was a boring game for neutrals. Obviously tense for me. Um, there were some moments. Um, I think if you love solid defense and if you love punting, this was the Super Bowl for you. But overall, probably least exciting, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, I think just before that, really exciting game. Uh, but for me, it was for Carolina Super Bowl 32 29. Really exciting back to back, you know, um, back and forth game. But for me, it's the second full season watching NFL. Um, and I still didn't really kind of quite get some of the intricacies. Um, really good game if you watch it back but yeah it just didn't mean as much to me as some of the other games um number four for kind of similar reasons probably the most exciting one for most pats fans is the Rams super bowl the first Rams super bowl 2017 brady's first patriots first i saw one play in that game and that was the field goal kick to win it um <laughs> uh woken up from my you know i think 11 year old slumber by my dad who's a, a massive pats fan since 85 since they got smashed by the bears um, and then all I saw was the kick, and I was like, oh, this is, this is all right, yeah. Started watching it after that. So, yeah, for me, anyway, not the most exciting, obviously, because I only saw a field goal, but still, it's nice to see. Uh, number three, the Philadelphia Super Bowl. So this was 2005, the 2004 season. It was 24-21. It wasn't a particularly exciting game. I think, for me, more of the excitement was that I really kind of, this is when I started to understand the game a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I just remember that season, you know, the Steelers being an absolute juggernaut. I think they went 15 and one or 14 and two or something. And they were the team that beat the Patriots 2021 20, winning streak um, early in the year. Number one seed beat them at Heinz Field for the AFC Championship game. Um, so that was the main thing that I took away from that season, really, was beating that team as, oh God, it just felt really good. And Super Bowl itself wasn't anything to write home about. We were, I think, big favourites and it was pretty comfortable. The only real notable thing about that game, I remember, was T.O. on a broken leg somehow. I think he had, you know, 10, 9, 10, 11 catches for like 120, 150 yards or something. Yeah, crazy performance. performance. Unbelievable. If anyone deserves a ring, you know, on the losing side, he's probably t he's up there for that performance. Unbelievable. Yeah. Number two. Uh... So this might be a bit of a surprising choice, but, a choice, but I put the, the Falcons. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And I'll explain a little bit more. Obviously, everyone knows the story of this game. I don't need to go over the story of the game, but I'm going to, if you're going to indulge me, I'll talk about the number one choice for a couple of minutes, just why that was the best Super Bowl for me. Um, so, yeah, number two is the Falcons game. Uh, number one, Seattle game. Now, 28-24, this finished. And... People remember, you know, the year before that, that Seahawks team, 43-8 to eight against the Broncos. They had that defense, Legion of Boom. At the time, there was talk of it being the greatest defense of all time. And, um, yeah, the Super Bowl for me had just had everything. I think if there's any NFL game that I would watch back in full, it would be this game. It was, I would say, it's got a serious case for being the best Super Bowl ever. Um, so that Pats team for me was really lovable. It had, you know, a strong D, Revis, Browner, Hightower, Wilfork, and you know, it had some other players, Gronk, Edelman, 
it was all their first Super Bowl wins. And for me, it kind of bridged the gap between the first three, the dynasty in the early 2000s, and what happened after that is really important. After two Giants uh, Super Bowls uh, losses in a row, it was just a massive, massive game. And Ed isn't listening, so, you know, fuck him. But uh, <laughs> it was just a just a, a high-quality game. It was tight. It was tense. It went 7-0, 7-7, 14-7, 14-all. Seahawks then opened it up 24-14 in the third quarter. And at that point, I'm just thinking, yeah, this is done. We're done against this D. Um, fourth quarter, 10-point comeback, 28-24 with two minutes left. And... You know, to that point, it's been a good Super Bowl. It's a decent Super Bowl. It's been really entertaining. It's been tight. We've had some absolute mavericks. Chris Matthews, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. Just came out of nowhere, seemingly. And then since then, who knows where he's gone? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> he, he went as, as quickly as he came. And I think there's that curse catch against down the sideline. And at that point, I'm thinking David Tyree. Yeah, thinking, it certainly felt like that, didn't it? Yeah. And Manningham as well. If you if you see the second Giants Super Bowl uh, win against the Pats, it's an underrated Super Bowl catch, unbelievable catch down the sideline. But I think if he doesn't make the Patriots, probably win. So I'm thinking three times in a row here. And obviously, you know, everyone knows what happens next. Lynch run, the clock's running. I'm thinking take a timeout, take a timeout, take a timeout, take a timeout. And those 30 seconds for me, it just feels like an hour. Um, for some, you know, it came out after the game. Bill Belichick saw the Seattle sideline in chaos and, and it turns out that was rightly so. Obviously, he throws the pick. And the reason why this is the most exciting Super Bowl win for me is because you've got that single moment of we're losing to we've won. And even though yeah. the Atlanta game, obviously a massive comeback, you can't underestimate the difference, you know, in, in just pure emotional state because you've got we're losing, we're losing, we're losing pick, we've won. That's it. So it's just huge. And if if that's what sports about, isn't it? It's that moment. Yeah. It's that singular moment. I don't think you you know there could be another hundred Super Bowls, and there might be a, there might not be another moment like that. So for me, for sure, most exciting. And I think um, after it, you know after two losses in a row to the Giants in quite dramatic fashion both time, I think it just meant more to win at that point. So yeah, definitely for me, brilliant game, brilliant team, lovable team, and just the drama of it all. Pure, pure drama unbelievable game yeah love that mate i love that it's uh, that's a great breakdown of uh of those those super bowls and, and particularly that last one like great to hear uh, how much that one meant to you personally you know obviously for me seeing seattle lose always good and uh russ throwing a pick to lose the game just just delightful i loved it at the time yeah you were on the russ is done you know bandwagon way was, way way ahead of everyone else and, and how right I, you were i was there early i'm delighted yeah. about it mate this is this has been uh it's been really good fun like uh you know you clearly have put loads of prep into this and uh, and i loved how much uh you thought about that that uh kind of break um patriot super bowl um power ranking so thank you for thank you for that thank you for that no no worries my pleasure thank you any final thoughts from you um no just fuck you ed again i guess because he doesn't listen so you know what a piece of shit impunity i suppose suppose we should probably ask for some final thoughts from from our other guest um steve anything anything more to say um from all the uh, all the stuff you've added to this uh, podcast so far mate that's a really good point and i wish we had the time to cover it but we'll have to come back to it on a later podcast um really good to hear from you though and uh, look forward to seeing you again in person on saturday uh val great to see you looking forward to seeing you mate and yeah, uh 
guys you know that's the end of episode six of the breakaway fantasy football podcast uh you know like and subscribe we're on apple music now as well as spotify and audible and amazon music uh and and uh you know other places as well i'm sure um so until next week let's ride